Welcome to the Eventualities Podcast, interesting conversations with the people behind our favourite regional festivals and events. We dive into the memorable experiences they create, the unexpected challenges they've overcome and what they've learned along the way. Cameron Little is the Principal of Sustainability Systems and Services, a specialist sustainability consulting and service provider. He has over two decades of experience within the event, environment, sustainability and corporate social responsibility sector. Cameron lectures and provides training through numerous educational bodies. He is also a practitioner in the field and provides numerous sustainability-related resources and services to events throughout the year, from small council-run events to iconic events such as the Sydney Festival, New Year's Eve in the Sydney Botanic Gardens and Australian Fashion Week. Cameron has recently been elected as president of the Sustainable Event Alliance, a global guild of event professionals, event organisers and sustainable suppliers. Cameron was a presenter at the 2019 Regional Events Conference in Dubbo and it's an absolute pleasure to welcome you to the Eventualities podcast, Cameron. Thank you very much, Belinda. Great to see you. Yeah, you too. It's been a while. Um, I just want to get underway with you talking a bit about your background, um, how you got into sustainability. Well, I got into sustainability through a strange uh, route, actually, because when I started at university, uh, I enrolled in um, a geology degree, of all things, because I was particularly interested in earth sciences. Uh, and it's like, oh, wow, geology, events, how does that work? But um, whilst I was doing the geology degree, it was a sandwich course which sent us out for six months at a time out into working mines or in the geological field. And so I spent six months working at a gold mine in the middle of the Tanami Desert in Northern Territory. Uh, and although that was like an incredible experience, um, it, it showed me that I wasn't going to be able to uh, I guess, help the environment as much as I might have wanted to through that field, just through the the resistance, the, the innate resistance in the, the industry. So I shifted to environmental biology uh, after that and focused my attentions on environmental management. And so following on from that, I ended up working for the government running uh, climate change and um, and similar programs. And through that, we ended up putting on lots of events uh, to try to you know, educate people. And I discovered that um, events was something that I was I was interested in because it was an opportunity to reach people where they were feeling open to to open to ideas because they weren't rushing, they were there for themselves and for a good time. And uh, I through that um, I got to a point where I realized that um, the events that were then engaging me to I guess, you know, to provide educational services for them at the events. Um, they really weren't achieving what they wanted to just by having me there. In, in effect, I was greenwashing for them. I knew that they were super keen to have uh, bec- uh, to have um, strong environmental performance at their events, but nobody was doing that back then. And this is like in the, in the uh, late 90s. And uh, so I realised that I would need to not help them make one little part of the event green, but then to actually make the entire event green. And that was a better way to help help events. And so, yeah, that was the path into it. And I got called in for um, a, an emerging music festival, which was a music and sustainability festival by a founder. It hadn't started yet. And, and he said, look, 
and he knew me, uh, we knew each other um, well, and he said, look, I'd love to make this festival. It was Pete's Ridge Festival. Uh, and he said, I would like to make this festival um, true to the two things that I really love, music and sustainability. So, but I know enough about the music, but I don't know enough about sustainability. So can you come on board and help me make this like the most sustainable event in Australia? Um, and so that's what we did. Oh, my gosh. That's, okay. that's my entry into um, into events and through the sustainability pathways. Wow, there's so much in there. I want to, I'm really keen to kind of talk about Pete's Reg Festival, but I just want to go back quickly. So your decision to study geology and then I guess um, you mentioned that you had that environmental, um, you know, impact, I guess it was within you. So what, where did that come from? Like, did you grow up with your parents, especially, I guess, green or how, was it just something within you? Like, how did that come about? (laughs) Look, I have to say it's mainly from me. It's just something that was inside me because let's say my dad didn't had never voted for the Greens until I was running for Parliament for the Greens. Okay, got <laughs> that it. was the first time that he actually um, uh, voted Green. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I guess they were just res- my family was respectful of the environment, but it wasn't anything that was like a – well, I grew up next to bush reserves and things like that and spent a lot of time um, running around barefoot so when you were kind of tapped on the shoulder about the Pete's Reg Festival, were you, had you started your own business then or were you a consultant or did you go on as an employee? How did that work? That was actually, uh, yeah, so that was way back. Um, so at the time I was working at University of New South Wales and I was running a sustainability centre there called the Eco Living Centre, which was an outreach um, program for University of New South Wales that involved supporting students and staff and community members uh, around the university to improve their their sustainability in their lives. And we had a big permaculture garden that I managed uh, and a big volunteer program, and it was all great. And it, it got it sort of really extended my experience in working directly with community groups because I've been doing that for five years for the government, supporting community groups and catchment management committees. Um, and, yeah, so I was still working at the university in their environmental management program. And because part of my job was um, outreach, uh, you know, discussed it with the boss and he was, he was cool about it because what we did was we ran workshop programs at the festival all about sustainability and environmental, uh, environmentally friendly living and we brought in lots of experts to come in and we set up a circus tent at the, at the first festival. And so the university got its name out there and it, and it ticked the boxes of key performance indicators that we were keeping track of how many people were attending the workshops and all that sort of stuff. Getting back to the Pete's Ridge Festival, I guess it was quite progressive then for an event from its first year to really have sustainability at its core and I guess one of its pillars along with music. So can you talk to us a little bit about that and I guess just about the festival in general, how long or how long you were involved with and, you know, other initiatives that you may be implemented over the years? Okay, well, so, yeah, the it was great being involved with Pete's Ridge um, because the, the sustainability came in from the ground level and that influenced everything. Uh, and, and that was a, a lesson for me um, in just how important it is to get the sustainability considerations in 
at the very start because otherwise you spend your time arguing with everybody about trying to change things that they've already started implementing and that just makes life difficult. So, yeah, anyone who ever engages me will always find that um, I want to come on as soon as possible and I want to come on before the contracts are let and all that sort of stuff so that we can give ourselves the best shot at uh, getting the best results. And back then, a, a lot of it was completely um, new, especially the levels that we were doing because it was a it was a camping festival from the start. So we weren't the only ones doing it, of course. You know, there's there's the you know Woodford Festival or the Mulaney Festival as it was back then was working hard to be sustainable now, already a big and iconic event. There was other other events like um, uh, in uh, in Adelaide. Um, what's the name of the big event? Worm Adelaide. Worm Adelaide, yes, yep. Yeah, and things like that. Sorry, mental blank. Apologies <laughs> to Worm Adelaide. Uh, and they, they'd been rolling out some great stuff uh, and other events as well, but it hadn't really set in yet. And things were being still being done randomly. And I guess what was different to that we did with Pete's Ridge Festival is because my background was solidly in environmental science and environmental management and engaging people to be involved in improved environmental performance, um, uh, we built systems in from the start. So it was interesting for those of uh, listeners who are aware of the International Standards Organization, ISO, um, what we did from really from the start was we tried to create an ISO 14001 environmental management system for Pete's Ridge Festival, which is pretty funny because it was just a pack of hippies in a, a beautiful valley, you know, hanging out of caravans and hippie vans and tents and things like that. But there we were setting up environmental management systems that affected the entire in the entire event, including supply chain, management of the facilities, the natural environment, looking after the aquifer, the, the waterways, the vegetation, the fauna, uh, everything, emissions, everything. And, and it was before, and that was really before sustainability was being discussed in events, really. I mean, because there was no ISO, there was no international standard for event events of any sort at that stage. What I want to, um, I guess, jump to is about how you went from working with the university and Pete's Ridge Festival and then going to start your own company. How did that come about? <laughs> well, um, so on the side of my university work, um, uh, I was I started getting uh, you know approached to do consulting work for events, uh, and I had I had a, a, you know a few under my belt. Um, and then the global financial crisis hit and uh, universities were getting um, torn apart as is, as was everything. And so the environment department was made, um, we were all made redundant um, uh, and we were, I won't go further into what happened, but they replaced a team of specialists with a lawyer. And, um, and uh, so I found myself, I was still working for the university for another 10 years, though, because I was um, helping to run and then I was running an environmental auditing course, a postgraduate environmental auditing course for the university. Um, so I was still involved uh, as, a, as a lecturer, um, as a session lecturer. So, um, and I still have a strong relationship with the university this day. Um, however, that ended my full-time employment at the university and, and I had a discussion at home and it's like, well, um, there's positions being 
shed everywhere, maybe this is the time for me to uh, branch out on my own and give it a shot uh, and to try to be a self-employed and to be a consultant um, and try to build on the work that was coming to me organically um, rather than try to, um, I guess, continually battle to try to get back into a into um, hierarchical organisations that, you know, sometimes made bad decisions regardless of the strength of the argument. So that was how it happened, really. I just took a punt. And uh, it was lean for a while, but I stuck with it and I've been doing it now for you know, 11 years. So we mentioned in the introduction some of the, um, you know, events that you've worked with and consulted for. So they range from the smaller events um, right up to, you know, nationally recognised events. What kind of... Um, you know, services or work do you do with those clients? So even like maybe let's take it back. You've you, We've talked about you working with council-run events. So what kind of services would you provide to them, for example? Of course, there's the, the, the setting up the systems, the, the event sustainability systems for the events. And that was really popular with councils because councils are very good at taking a systematised approach. Uh, and if it wasn't for councils and local government, um, I really don't think that um, we would be anywhere near where we are in in New South Wales and in Australia with event sustainability because they are used to and recognise the benefits of working in a systematic way. And so they're prime to, to do it the way that, that me as an environmental manager rec- recognise from my own learning and teaching and research is the most effective way to go. So that really helped change the scene um, because they were hungry for it. Um, so there was that sort of stuff, policy development, all that sort of stuff to really help them frame things up in the way that would get them on the on the right foot rather than undertaking what I um, always have called random acts of environmental kindness, which you might re- remember I got a few chuckles at your conference. For yes, that one. yes. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and I, look, it's... It, it's a bit funny, but it's also, you know, it's really, it's really a genuine issue. And so that's why I always use that expression because it sticks. People get the idea. The random stuff just doesn't work long term, especially in an industry that has so much uh, mobility of staff and events, so much transience. People move between organisations, uh, up and down with the seasons. So unless you have um, approaches really built in in a systematic way so that it's those ideas and initiatives stay with the organisation, stay with the event for next year and the year after and the year after that, then um, they just don't stick. So that was one of the things that I've really been dedicated to try to bring to the event sector. So I've been really focused on helping them to do that in as painless a way as possible, That, but that would resonate with them and, and gain traction within their organisation. So it's doing as much of it for them and with them as I can uh, and just keep driving them back to the fundamentals of management system approach. So uh, that's the sort of stuff I've been doing with councils. Also, they would get me into um, do funny little things like I had um, for a, for quite a while. I had a solar powered generator that uh, I um, acquired from BP Solar um, when they were downsizing in Australia uh, because I knew them well and I. And hats off to my friend Nigel Morris, who uh, was working there at the time uh, and, you know, support had been lending me that trailer 
um, to promote solar at times. And when they downsized, I was able to, to purchase it. And so that was a trailer that was full of batteries, deep cycle batteries and solar panels. And we'd take it to events and run segments of the events or even entire stages off my solar trailer. So that, so that we did that particularly, that was particularly popular with um, uh, Lake Macquarie Council who have been outstanding, uh, you know, uh, early adopters for things in um, events sustainability. They really have. I delivered training for them. And so that's something else that I've done for a lot of councils, develop training in events sustainability. Then as well as uh, the trailer, the solar trailer, I had at one stage, I had a solar powered ice cream machine. I love it. <laughs> I knew you'd like that one. Uh, and, and so that was like literally it was a, it was a solar powered ice cream trolley. To, and and so what I'd do is I'd get it had solar pa- solar panel awning and it had deep cycle batteries in it. It was on a trolley, looked great, and it had uh, an ice cream freezer in it. And we'd go to take that to events and and sell. Um, you know, organic or um, gelato and things like that uh, to, to punters, which was super popular. People got a huge kick out of that. And we'd talk to them about solar power, how you can do anything solar um, when we're doing that. So every time they're standing there waiting for their ice cream, we're just telling them about solar, how everything, you know, you can do everything with solar, you know, it's, it's not just houses. And, and that was uh, a, a, a great success as well. It was really quirky uh, and, um, most of the time, what the way we did it, we also did a solar-powered popcorn machine we took to events. So that was u- using the solar trailer and the ice cream thing. We had ice cream and, and popcorn. Again, it was all about education. And what we did was we used um, those, uh, very cheap things to give away uh, in partnership with the councils to engage with the community. So they might they would maybe run a competition or, or you have to go around and visit all the environmental stores and stalls at a, at a festival uh, and get stamps in a, in a, uh, you know, in a little booklet. Passport. Yeah. A passport. Yeah. Uh, and then they, and the, the rewards was they could come over and get a free organic gelato from the sustainability trolley, a sustainability solar you know, ice cream machine, or they could get solar powered, um, popcorn. popcorn. <laughs> we were cooking the popcorn. We had a popcorn machine there, like at the movies, and we were running it off solar power. And people were getting a a real kick out of that. And I tell you what, that was popular. It would be. And, You've and chosen it, like two of the most popular food items at any event, and you know to put that educational twist on it with probably people not even realizing what's happening at the time. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, it was. It was really great. Um, and uh, another thing that we used to do was. I had um, I had a worm trailer, which I still have. Actually, I had had two worm trailers. The one which was a wor- a giant worm farm uh, built into a trailer, uh, but it was a combined uh, education about f- organic food management, uh, waste management, and composting and worm farming. And crikey, that was popular um, with the kids, you know, especially with the kids. The, I mean, adults loved it too. Um, but the kids would just go crazy. And so it was almost like, um, you know, the parents would bring their kids over and we'd sort of have them digging through and learning about worms and worm eggs and all that sort of stuff. And we were pro- sort of taking in the food waste from the event while we are there and feeding it to the worms. 
So that one was pretty cool, but um, and it actually went to a, a movie shoot at one stage. So so with, with Leonardo DiCaprio. So that was shot here in Sydney, and uh, my worm farm trailer was at the Great Gatsby film shooting. So I was it was processing all the food waste from the Great Gatsby while the film was being made, and that. Um, showed me that I needed more capacity in the worm farm because there was so much food waste um, that, uh, you know, I realised I needed to do need more capacity. So this is a bit of a roundabout story, I guess, for you, but it's a quirky one. It's a bit of fun. And I used to go to events um, that my friend Ben Eady from October Sun was organising a lot of sustainability elements for he was like working largely as my booking agent at the time which was great and bringing in a lot of other sustainable elements and he was quite pioneering in that that his business you could go to his business and get like a whatever you want that is um sustainable for the event he'll you know be able, whether it's workshops or environmental performers or whatever and he was able to help um you know introduce those to the event so um there was another worm trail that he was bringing in because i was doing other stuff as well uh, and um, a, a lovely chap called Graham. Um, and I used to see Graham at events, you know, every weekend. And he had this amazing worm farm, which was like commercial scale. It was giant. Um, and he was running that at events. Um, but he, and it was so popular because it could take so much more food waste than what mine could. Mine was better at education. His was better at volume. Um, but unfortunately, Graham passed away. Uh, and there was a risk of Graham's trailer being, um, you know, uh, stripped down because his estate was trying to sell it, uh, and I heard about it, and I thought, even though I had a worm trailer, I thought Graham's trailer is too good to let it get stripped down to a be a whatever, a box trailer or something, because it had been specially made, and so uh, I travelled down to, you know, the back country of behind, around Canberra and and brought it home, bought it and brought it home and put, brought it into service. So then it worked at Sydney Festival and big music festivals uh, and, and worked for at so many events for so long. Lots of people saw the, the worm trailer in it and it was really popular at Newtown Festival and you mentioned in your intro the um, New Year's Eve uh, in, the, in the gardens, at the Botanic Gardens. And uh, it was so popular with the Botanic Gardens uh, people who were organising events and stuff. It was great. I loved working with those guys. And here's the funny thing. So um, I started doing more and more sustainability stuff for the Botanic Gardens uh, for, for their events. And there, there we were for New Year's Eve. And for this event, uh, it was going to be and was like as, as, as sustainable an event as we could possibly make. So there was multiple big ticketed events happening in the Botanic Gardens and around the harbour. And the gardens decided that they were going to make this one fully sustainable, everything from the catering to everything, um, food waste and we're educating and things. And so, yeah, we did a, we, a whole bunch of us. I brought in a whole bunch of volunteers. I'll tell you, I've never had an event so popular with potential volunteers as, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to have the best seats in the house in the Botanic Gardens for the fireworks on New Year's Eve. So, yeah, that was, I was beating the volunteers off with a stick that time. <laughs> and, and people thought, oh, you know, like nobody's going to, well, some people are saying, really, you think people are going to be interested in worm farming at New Year's Eve? And I'll tell you, this is well, without a word of a lie, I was having to say to people, like people were climbing up during onto the trailer 
playing with the worms during the fireworks. <laughs> and, and I was having to say to them, seriously, like, I'm here all night. <laughs> we don't have to do this during the fireworks. You're like, let's, let's you know, we can talk about worm farming anytime you like. Yeah, let's watch the fireworks, shall we? But, uh, yeah, that was – so. and we even for that event, we even had solar-powered um, recharge stations built into stand-up tables around the event. So you could stand at your table and it had solar and – and um, deep cycle batteries built in and you had all these plug-in points uh, and we had like a whole bunch of those, probably eight of them through the event so that people could stand around and have a drink and charge up their phone and they've done lots of stuff with, um, say, in the past with um, the city to surf, um, creating, uh, doing an environmental auditing process for them, um, for their operations down on in all the uh, uh, in particular area, which is the best way to do it, to sort of define the area you're going to try to improve and focus on that, and looked at all the marquees, all the sponsor marquees, and we worked closely with all the caterers and all the event, you know, the the, the owners of those marquees, the, the the companies, and worked super closely with um, Waverley Council and the Bondi Pavilion, and uh, yeah, that was great, and we developed up you know, gap analyses of what you can do from here. And, and that was, that was the first time we really focused. I'd been trying to get organizers to, to look at and consider environmental bonds for events for a long time, because I'm always looking upstream, like, okay, um, that was a great idea. And if it didn't get the full result that we wanted to, or it got rejected or it got abandoned for some reason, what could we have done upstream to have made that more effective? And one of the things has always been, well, these are great things that we're, that myself and others are introducing to events. So we um, uh, yeah, brought into effect that this thing that not just me, but other, many people have been talking about environmental bonds because it's it's been done in other areas of environment management, but it hadn't been done so much in events sector. And to their credit, Waverley Council did it. And uh, for such a big event, I mean, hats off to them because that was that was ballsy for them to actually, you know, do that because you are inviting conflict with organisations that don't um, toe the line. But if you don't have some sort of backstop to make sure that they do, then at some stage the event owners and the event managers, they're the ones crying because, you know, they've done everything they can but... Um, participant organisations in the event, sponsors or suppliers can screw things up for you just by not complying with what you've asked them to do. And as we all know, in the event sector, the show must go on. So, you know, that, that was the, really the beginning of, of, uh, of for me, for working with organisations that were prepared to take, you know, to, to, to sort of take one on the chin to do the right thing. And so we charged the, you know, all, the, all those marquees, et cetera, environmental bonds, and I was constantly auditing through the entire event, round and round. I was engaging. I was talking to people. We had we had a whole team of of council staff and other volunteers doing surveys of city to surf participants and caterers and asking them about what works, what doesn't work. And event, you know, the marquee owners and corporate support. It was like it was amazing. We gathered up all that information, created amazing. Um, report from that and we actually did charge we actually for some of those caterers and and um corporates that didn't 
do what we ask them to do. And regardless of me going in and speaking to them very respectfully and, um, and, to, and doing offering to do anything that I could to help, they just didn't engage. Uh, well, they lost their bond and they were pissed off. Uh, and yeah, but, but it was all in the contracts and um, that was really, as I said, really ballsy of Waverley Council. So, and that's the sort of thing that really, it can work when done properly, but it, it, it requires a lot of consultation to get the result because people have to know you're not just, you're not trying to screw them. Uh, it's interesting through my work with the Sustainable Event Alliance, um, uh, talking to event practitioners around the world, it, it made me realise um, even though in Australia we often feel that, you know, we're not getting the results that we want to, initiatives like these are so far advanced on what they're doing in almost every country. The, uh, that you know, we we uh, the rest of the world looks to us uh, for for initiatives and and ideas and leadership and event sustainability, which is funny because in Australia, people uh, always assume that everybody overseas would be doing more than us. So everyone in overseas is assuming we're doing more than them, and we're assuming we're doing more. Uh, they're doing more than us. So that's been one of the great strengths of sustainability uh, sustainable event alliance, which we can talk about a bit more. I'd like to talk about Newtown Festival for a little while because they really, uh, that is an event that is very dear to my heart. And, and um, uh, so I was for some time uh, providing educational stuff at, at Newtown Festival. For those who aren't familiar with Newtown Festival, it's an amazing event in um, Newtown in Sydney that is run by the Newtown Centre, uh, Newtown Community Centre, and that is uh, their main annual fundraiser to fund their, um, the, the just incredibly good, important social sustainability works that they do for the Newtown community, helping homeless people, helping just everybody, you know, everybody, um, women, you know, domestic violence, everything. They're helping people to look after people and, you know, they need funding. So that's their big, that's their big um, fundraiser. And, so I worked with them for a number of years with sustainability dis displays there. And then after Graham died uh, and, and the, he used to bring his trailers to that event, after he died and I acquired it, um, I, I kept it coming back to Newtown Festival. So it had been going to Newtown Festival longer than I had. And, <laughs> uh, and it became a, an important part of Newtown Festival. And then after a while, um, my relationship with the organisers was, was so strong, uh, they asked me to become... Um, the sustainability manager for Newtown Festival uh, and to bring in all those other systems approaches and getting guidelines for suppliers and contractors and all that, all that stuff and auditing and doing uh, um, carbon and ecological footprint audits um, for the event and everything. And we're diverting as much food waste as we can and, and all the recyclables and, and everything. So and that's that was just such a, a fantastic event. It hasn't really been working since um, COVID hit, um, and I don't know what format it will come back in. Hopefully, it will come back because it's such a popular event, and really, it has been leading the way for sustainability for that sort of event. Uh, you know that, um, and it was so popular, and and it and we we so eventually the last say two three years that I was involved with that before COVID, we set up what they called the Eco um, Village in the festival, which was an entire area of all about sustainable living. And we had um, the workshops going. It's a bit like a mini version of what I did at Pizza Ridge. Uh, and we filled it with stalls as well, 
that were only promoting and, and selling environmentally friendly products and not-for-profit organisations promoting like Greenpeace and Wilderness Society and Australian Conservation Foundation and Take Three for the Sea and, um, yeah, just and the Native, Native Beekeepers Association of, in the West. And so it was just a really great snapshot of organisations who operated in the Newtown area. Uh, and it gave them a great chance to come in for free. So we managed to set up a, a, a deal that they could have their spaces for free um, uh, if in return they contributed to the education program um, because that meant we didn't have to pay presenters. Yeah, I love <laughs> that. That's a, a great – yeah, that's maximize, excellent. It gave them a chance to maximise their exposure. Um, at the event because they were in the programs, they were in, you know, we spoke about them in all the, the press and the, uh, you know, I did, I was doing a segment on sustainability for, um, for uh, 2SER at the time. And so, you know, we we're always talking about Newtown Festival and all these things and it was great. So yeah, the Newtown Festival, great thing, getting organisations like that to come in and help and giving them a chance to, raise some money for their events and to speak to their constituency, great thing. So that's probably more than enough, more than people even wanted to hear about. No, that's fantastic. There's some really good practical examples there. So um, before we get on to your new, one of your new roles, you wear many hats, um, I just wanted to ask this question. So for many people, I guess I'm thinking regionally here, who maybe are a volunteer committee, their event's been going for many years. Sometimes when you throw something like sustainability at them, it can be quite overwhelming. They've, you know, as I said, they're volunteers, they're already running around doing many, many things. Um, can you give us some tips that maybe some of these committees could implement that are, um, I guess, just as a starting point, but something that's realistic and, you know, achievable that they can start implementing in the hope that, you know, over the years they can start doing more and more in that space? Yeah, great question. Um, this is something that I think about a lot, um, obviously, and um it's a, there's a, it's a, there's, there's a whole, there's like a whole day workshop right there. Um, look, one of the things that, that to never forget about is the value of the low hanging fruit. I'm sure most people are familiar with that expression. It's like, what, but just in case they're not, you know, if you've got a fruit tree, why climb up on a ladder, precarious ladder to get the fruit at the top of the tree? Um, if you can reach the fruit at the ground, you know, just by standing there and reaching up and grabbing that apple or that orange, you know, uh, and, and that's really important, I think, that that idea of the low-hanging fruit is, is well recognised um, within environmental management and management systems approaches as a very important strategy at the start um, to get um, things moving, to start getting a win, to start giving you some positive things to talk about, to start changing the narrative about what this what this event or this group or whatever it might be and this principle is valid to any industry it's not just events i mean context is king but um this is relevant everywhere so it's, i i always i think that it's really important to, to grab some of the low-hanging fruit that being said if i go back to one of my other little sayings about um, avoiding random acts of, of environmental kindness you really want to identify things that you would do going forward regardless. So when I talk about the low-hanging fruit, I, I'm, I'm not suggesting that, all, that people should 
start going back into that, that um, random acts of environmental kindness. You've got to pick things that would you would be carrying forward regardless so that it's not something you're going to waste time fiddle farting around with in year, one year. You want to do something that's going to be a key uh, or notable initiative moving forward. So whilst you've, you've started that, and there might be a few things. It could be food waste recycling. I think that's a really important one. Um, but it also depends on, um, and here's another one of my little sayings, begin with the end in mind. Depending on whereabouts you are, especially since we're talking about regional events, different services and facilities that are available in cities like Sydney or Melbourne um, aren't necessarily available to regional areas. So I, uh, what I would always say is, is look at what the local council is doing um, as far as its environmental programs and look what its strategic plan is and try to identify areas that you'll be able to get support with at your event from the local council because they will have, if you can find initiatives that can help them tick boxes in their annual action plan and, and so key performance indicators for your event, then you will um, highly likely get great support from council to roll out those initiatives at your event because it's a good thing to do and for the staff of that council, they get to tick off things that they have a responsibility to deliver anyway. And so if you engage with them early, um, there's a lot that they can contribute. Um, um, and, you know, and don't, even though, you know, you may not have a solar powered popcorn machine or you may not have a solar powered ice cream trolley, you can do things, come up with rewards and, and initiatives uh, that can start to engage the event attendees. So it's really important to identify all of the key stakeholders of the event, attendees, suppliers, partners, sponsors, um, staff, event company, and, and try to find something that there are different things or major initiatives that they can all have a hand in so that you get away from the fa get away from the idea of being whoever's trying to drive the environmental stuff being the, um, the token greenie which uh, I was accused of being by a production manager of a major international music touring festival in Australia. Uh, you know, we know who you are. You're the, you know, you're the token greenie. So, and that was what he announced out to the production team. It's like, okay, <laughs> thank you. You just undermined everything we're going to try and do. And again, this is a similar principle I always advocate is find out what the values of the community that you're, you know, who, who, who are the audience of this event? Now, you can do this fairly simply. I mean, you can do it very professionally, but you can also do it very simply. Um, and people who live in that community will be able to, you know, just talk to people, use your own, your own knowledge and, and listen to what people have to say without prompting them and, and read the newspapers, listen to the radio and work out, like, what does the local land care group do? You know, who's doing what and, and bring them in as partners for the environmental initiatives because they already have a, uh, a solid reputation um, within the community of, as people who care and are doing the right thing so that it's not seen as some, you know, tangential, greeny stupidity, you know, you've got to get away from all of that. I, admittedly, times are changing um, and understanding of these issues is, is changing, but these have always been um, very important principles to me as far as uh, me being a, an advocate for change and being a change maker and change manager uh, and to 
so then once you understand what what are the environmental issues or if we expand that to include social issues that matter to the local community then start there so if they are worried about excess like if they're worried about their landfill filling up then you can deal with the waste management of the event um, and put a lot of the narrative around um, the expense and the hassle and, and and the negative impacts of creating new landfill and that where we put the new landfill we need to manage the landfill we've got better um, so we need to stop putting as much stuff into the landfill. How do we do that through our events? Right. We're going to divert all of our recycling. We're going to divert all of our and turn that into redeemables and donate that money to the local scout group or the local land care group or whoever it might be. So you're involving the community in this process. And you can get them in to help volunteer. Um, with all of these things, you've really got to start early and you've got to do it genuinely. Um, otherwise, if you treat these issues as bolt-ons, then you won't get the benefits. But the more deeply you, you build these, even simple initiatives into this, the, the, the principles of your, of your event, the more strongly they will become embedded and the more you'll change the culture of your organisation and have flow-on environmental cultural benefits to your local community as well. That's why, that's why our events are so important and why I've stuck with it. Another one of my little sayings is events are like the window to the soul of a community or an organisation, particularly organisations like councils. Councils always sort of wear that one. They go, oh, yeah, because you could be doing amazing things in your own headquarters, your council chamber offices with all of your recycling and and collecting all the food waste from the, the, you know, the, the staff tea room and running it through worm farms or whatever you might be doing. Uh, or slapping some solar panels on the council chambers. But most people in the community don't see that. And so the things you do out at events, where the community see it and where they're open to, they're looking around, they're looking to be engaged, they're looking for colour and movement. And the more you can do that out there, um, the more it shows uh, everyone in the community that some of these things might be a little bit tricky, but if, if we can do it at, somewhere at an event, um, where we've had to recreate all of, this, all of the facilities and program, then it's easy for you to do at your home or your workplace or your school. So there's a lot of expertise there. So that's the sort of approach I'd recommend. So that's how you get your low-hanging fruit, bringing people to help you because you probably don't have a budget yet. Uh, and this is the way to bring in extra resources and support. Also, while you're doing that, and this is the masterclass suggestions, Again, begin with the end in mind. Don't do this half-assed. Do this initiative like you're trying to win an award for it, even if it's a simple initiative. Do it to the best of your ability. Don't muck around. Don't just slap it on like a Band-Aid. And then after the event, apply for awards. Get recognition. Make it, make it stories. Build it part of your narrative. So that's the benefit of not doing it half-assed. Make it a story that's really going to carry forward for you so that you're starting to change the narrative around your event. Also, in this early um, low-hanging fruit area, and I'm talking about some strategic stuff here at the same time, obviously, <clears throat> this is the time to flag for all of your stakeholders that this is just the beginning of the journey, that we can't do it all in one in year one and this is also what you put on your website in your press releases uh everything in your policies because you should be starting to develop policies they're not sexy to work on as we already discussed 
but you can work like if you spend someone like me always wants to like let's get the policies written let's get the procurement strategies done let's get the action the systems that, but that doesn't engage everybody it's it's the most important work but while you're doing that everybody else is not having their into, you know they're not being engaged or entertained and, and, and brought into the picture so um, that's why the low-hanging fruit exciting you know store things you can build stories about and that are easy to achieve are so important and but you also talk to all of your stakeholders that this is the you know year one of our strategy of what of us moving forward with you know the the Walgett country ladies association annual fair you know that we're, we're moving forward uh, and that over the next three years you'll be seeing more changes and we'll be engaging with all of our suppliers uh, between now and each year and we're going to be making further improvements as we go and so that way you're giving notice to your suppliers that um, that you're going to do it and you and do whatever you can to find ways to support them so you're going to help them to help you and that's a really important message because otherwise they've got a legitimate gripe that you're making things hard and they've got to know that it's coming up in the contracts and that once it's in the contracts, which you will liaise and negotiate with them on, but once all of these things are in the contracts, they become non-negotiables. So it's better to be at the, the, on the surfing the bow wave of change than being at the back of the boat, being dragged behind the rough water like a water skier hanging onto a rope that's fallen off their water ski. Now, you're still going to end up at the same destination. On one side, you're going to be the star out the front surfing the bow wave, and on the other end, you, you, know, you might drown. So um, that's, that's the, the thinking I'd like people in regional events to think about. Um, you may have thought about it before, you may have not, but if you need some further advice, um, you know how to find me. Yeah, that's great. And I'll put um, your contact details in the show notes. But thank you. Those are really practical tips. Um, And just going back to that, you know, initial liaising with council and your stakeholders, I know um, there is so many councils who have great environmental offices or departments, and they actually sometimes have money or resources that people don't even know about. Um, so if you just start with them and then they're also working with other groups that may have access to funding that will benefit you. And the great thing about that is they come in and will help look after that area of the event. So it's one less thing you have to, you know, actively worry about. So yeah, I really, some great tips there, Cam. Thank you. Can now, I, can I, can I, can I, yeah. Before we go on, I've just got one more example yeah. that I'd like to put in. I mentioned um, Lake Macquarie Council and, and what early adopters they had been. And I'd like to just flag an initiative that they did that um, I helped them with and that I was so impressed with. Um, they real, so I ran you know, a number of training sessions for them and their staff, and they were really clued in. They worked out that, um, if, that as a local regional council, they either owned or managed about, let me pick a random number, let's say 80% or more of the event venues in their local government area. And so they realised that once they developed their sustainable event um, policy for council, et cetera, that in order to achieve their objectives, they needed to get um, the all of the event managers and the event owners in their area on board as well. And so what they did was they, they got me back up and we delivered training for all of the community organisations and local event 
um, suppliers and event managers to bring them up to speed with event sustainability so that they would have the, uh, the capability to genuinely contribute to this. And that was, that was like amazing to do that. That was such, a, such great leadership from that council um, because it brought that whole community forward. And it meant that the council wasn't the only ones um, doing sustainable events. It meant everybody from the local Lions Club to the local soccer club to, you know, every group that held events in their local government area was given access to training and support to do things. Because if you want people to change, you've got to give them the, the, the knowledge and the training and you've got to give them the resources to do it. So... Go Lake Macquarie. Um, they're great. Okay, so you've recently been elected as president of the Sustainable Events Alliance. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah, look, it's a great honour to to step up to the president role. Um, I've been vice president for uh, for quite a while, uh, and for those, so it was to be have a shot at being president for a while is a great honour. You know, some of our meetings, we even have to have translators sitting in because, you know, to get through the English barrier because, of course, being an organisation started in Australia, I can't speak for everybody else, but I'm an Aussie Yobo and I can barely speak English, uh, let alone multiple languages. So um, it's very important for us to provide that uh, that capacity for, for our members all around the world to fully engage. And... Yeah, so that's what the SEA does. And we've got a competency and assessment program um, where we people come in and, and sometimes we're very generous and we provide free assessments for people um, at, as a promotional exercise for our members. Um, we might do that if we're establishing a new um, a strategic partnership with a, another incorporation um, or a, a big event of like the like say if we did for your regional events organizer uh, conference that's a sort of event where you know we might say anybody who joins from this event uh, and wants an assessment will give you a complimentary assessment instead of charging for it and that's a great way of partnering with for us with an event uh and for us it, it's it's like a joint venture you know that we get to be out and providing education around what our key messages are uh, and um, meeting other people from that area. And that was so much fun and so great, that conference. Uh, I just met so many great people uh, and met in person people that I never met, uh, that I never, you know, communicated with over emails and things like that before. And then going out for drinks with them after it was just fabulous. But that's a great way to um, start putting out, um, you know, uh, building a network. So that's what we're, uh, you know, the, the, our real approach is trying to build a, a critical mass of people interested in um, improving the environmental performance and the social performance of events globally and to, to do it in a way that that uh, pays respect to the economic costs and benefits of doing that and trying to do it in a sophisticated enough way that we give our members the tools uh, uh, and the network support and access to other people and consultants so that they can build the business case or work at whatever level they are at. Um, because we don't, we don't need to be competing. All of us as event sustainability practitioners, 
you know, I just think it's a mistake for us to see ourselves as competitors. We need to see ourselves as collaborators. There's, uh, if the event sector is pumping, there is more than enough work for everyone who is interested in event sustainability. And the big challenge for us is to, is to make event sustainability the norm, not the stand to the side kind of quirky thing. So um, we want excellence to be and, and quality to be absolutely seen to be um, undifferentiable from sustainability for events. Yeah, that's great. So what I'll do is to is put a um, link in the show notes so people can find out more about the organisation. And I think there is a membership form on there or people can at least just find out a bit more. So I'll make sure I put all that in the show, show notes for people. All right, Cam, I have taken up a lot of your time. So I'm mindful of um, trying to get this wrapped up. Um, I finished the podcast with a quick fire couple of questions. Um, what was the last event you went to? You the probably have to think back COVID. a bit. <laughs> yeah, COVID. Yeah. The last event I went to was um, Australian Fashion Week, where I was the sustainability consultant for the event. Um, yeah, uh, that was the last event I went to. That's cool. That's very yeah, cool. That was, back in, um, that was back in June of this year. Great. So not too long ago. Um, no. Do you have a favourite event that you've been to? The, my favourite event that I've been to um, would have been what I might call the glory years of Peach Ridge Festival. That was just so unbelievably good. That was just so much fun, so much fun, so many good people there, an incredible pl- venue, and just being there with so many people who shared my passion for sustainability and not having things jarring at me all through the, all through the event of, you know, uh, of things being done wrong that I've got to try to put my blinkers on and not see that would have been my absolute favorite event, but I've got so many, but um, being able to camp there because I've, you know, being there camping in there for like, five or you know, a number of days before the event and a number of days after the event, just camping this beautiful valley with a whole bunch of, a whole team of sustainability people to help me, having fun, doing the thing, partying at night. God, it was good. <laughs> Bliss. Okay, that's a good one. Um, which event is on your bucket list? I would say I, w- I would really like to go to um, Adelaide. Um, I've never been there. But I was, but you know, it's been such a long running. Um, so I've excluded events I've been to already. Um, um, it's been such a long running, amazing, successful event. Um, they do. They've been doing so much sustainability stuff uh, altruistically, and that in many instances, people have never even heard about it. They've just done it in the background. And I ran some training for um, Adelaide City. Uh, for all of their event, big events and things about how they were going to move their whole city to a, a sustainable events. And that's where I really met the WOM Adelaide people and, and listened and learnt about the initiatives that they were, were already doing. And I've been thinking that I'd love to go and experience it myself. I, you know, I've, you know, I'm the, I'm one of the judges in the Australian Event Awards. And so I've read so many applicants applications for 
um, sustainable events, sustainability initiatives and quality events. And I just really love to go down there and, and experience how they're doing it and how they're going it uh, and how it sort of affects the whole city when they're there and running it. So, yeah, good on them and I'd love to. They're on my bucket list. Great. And now the borders are open to South Australia. Might even get in next year. <laughs> um, Maybe. Fingers crossed. Okay, last question. Your favourite thing about the festival and events industry? I love meeting can-do people. That's festival, you know, as an environmental manager, sustainability consultant, as all that sort of stuff, um, I love working with people who can get things done. Uh, and I love people who are details-orientated people. Uh, who recognise that you've got to get it right. And and um, the level of professionalism that I've come across to roll out, you know, big events and events that are, you know, that are really well run, you know, it's military precision. And that's, you know, so that's amazing to, to experience that sort of thing without guns, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Beers, not bombs. <laughs> I love it. You've summed that up well. Um, well, and, that's, and yeah. I, that's one of my favourite things, just experiencing and meeting people who are just great doing things and are fun and, and want to engage people in a creative and, and recognise how important getting, getting people together in society is. You know, events are important. We're a social animal. We need events, but we've got to deal with climate change, so we've just got to get events as, as fr- earth-friendly as we can. Oh, well, thank you. That's a great way to finish. Um, we really appreciate your time and I feel like we've had a very mini masterclass um, today on the podcast. So I'll make sure I link to all your contact details in the show notes. Um, and thank you again, Cam. We're really appreciative. Absolutely. My pleasure, Blinda. And I encourage everyone, go online, Sustainable Event Alliance. Membership is free right now. Uh, and so now's the time to, to get in and join up the network and get all the support you need to achieve your event sustainability objectives. So good luck to you. Thanks, Cam. Thank you for listening to the Eventualities podcast. Subscribe for future episodes and the best way you can support us is by leaving a review which helps others find the podcast.